I love my little girls more than anything, and I said to myself, oh, no, don't, you can't, don't say that. But I had underestimated him. He went on, I would rather see my little girls die now, still believing in God, than have them grow up under communism and one day die on the woman. Yep, yep. All right. All right. Welcome back uh, to The Left is Dead and have an exciting episode for you here today. One that exciting. America has been breathlessly anticipating for, for months now, which is the return, return of Martin Getty's QAnon thinker to our show. And, QAnon. Uh, you know, the QAnon movement is something I've been following for, you know, about three or four years now. I predicted early on, I told people, everyone I could find on Facebook and wherever, that the QAnon movement was different than most conspiracy movements. And it was also different than any other kind of cult, if you want to call it a cult, whatever you want to call it, I don't care, but it was different. And I predicted that it would become infused in our culture and would be a force to be reckoned with. And it was, and it took time, but now uh, they're on the map, they're in the zeitgeist, everyone's talking about QAnon. Part of that is because of the January 6th insurrection and whatnot. But one thing that happened over these last four years is I developed a kind of you know, virtual friendship with one of the thought leaders Martin Geddes. And um, while we disagree pretty uh, vociferously on, on a lot of elements, a lot of different issues, uh, we, we nonetheless have a kind of weird friendship connection. And I can't explain it, and I don't care to explain it. But we are the only outlet that he is doing interviews with. And um, so he's going to be here today. And, and Jim, you were, we've, I've interviewed him twice now. You were in the second one. And what, you know, what, what are you anticipating from, from this conversation? Not my brain to be melted. Go ahead. That's it. I don't know, man. This is, it is, it, it's. All said, Jim. No, it is. It's brain melting. And, you know, I won't give away what I have to ask or anything like that, but like, this is it. You is know, we just did the interview and now we're doing the intro second. That hasn't happened. You're a fucking liar. Okay, go ahead and lie to the audience more, asshole. Anyways, since the, the interview past- hasn't happened yet, I'm just going to say that I am baffled by the fact that QAnon is so close to where we want them to be, but they just can't get over the Satanism and the yeah. symbolism and anything like that, you know? I, I disagree with you a little bit there. I, I, I don't know how close these movements are. I think there's a general yeah. antipathy and and hatred towards the establishment, the military industrial complex and whatnot. But I think we're getting to a point now where, where uh, there's so much oxygen there to breathe that there's going to be a All lot right. of elements. And I, I just, I, you know. Let's say this. I think Martin is a person who is also disenfranchised and they found the closest thing they could. That's what I think. That's what I think about QAnon in general. That's even what I think about like fascism. 
I think these people are pressured into a social hierarchy and a social space where fascism is pushed upon them. Or QAnon is pushed upon them as, a, as an attempt to answer for like their misery that they're experiencing. Do you understand? Yeah, I do. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, we're taking a break from, our, you know, we're trying to uh, lean back into more leftist policy and ideology, but uh, th this should be an interesting conversation. Uh, Martin, you know, made a lot of predictions about what was going to happen uh, to the deep state, and uh, it appears he was wrong on, on a lot of those. Um, so we're going to see what he says now as far as why his myriad predictions were wrong. And uh, it should be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So enjoy the interview with Martin and we will be back on the other side. Eh? Yeah. Uh, Jim. So, Hey, I want you to, I want you to cut out. And our guest today is, is a, a friend of mine that I've met, uh, online. We've never met in person. He is a uh, technologist, uh, a theorist, a writer, and he's probably most well-known right now for being one of the thought leaders of uh, a movement called QAnon. And we've interviewed him twice before, and this is going to be our third. And so his name is Martin Geddes, and uh, I'm happy to have him here and uh, it's going to be an interesting conversation. And Martin, first of all, thank you for coming on. I know that yeah. you turned down a lot of interviews, and so I appreciate you coming on here. Yeah, my, my pleasure. It's, um, yeah, I turned down all the corporate interviews, and I also turned down nearly all the, quote, patriot ones, because that's preaching to the choir. And I see that there's a, um, a deep purpose in us coming together here. You know, it's like, in some ways, you could, you can call yourself the only journalist in America, yeah, because you're the only person who's turned up for this kind of conversation from a purely journalistic standpoint. Well, and it's 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 a no-win situation because the the people uh, who are more antagonistic yeah. and 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 totally adversarial with the QAnon movement are going yeah. to criticize me for even doing criticize us for even doing the interview. Or they'll say, you know, why are you platforming this? And, and to me, uh, you know, I, I take a different perspective on that. But, you know, so we're going to skip some of the normal kind of yeah. setups here in terms of, at this point, most people have uh, know about QAnon. I mean, so you've been, you've been into the movement and writing about it for three yeah. to four years. And I've been following it for almost that long. And we met pretty early on uh, on Twitter because uh, you were saying things that were different to me than what other QAnon people were saying. And I was asking you questions that were different from what other QAnon critics were asking. Yes. And so we kind of found a, a, a gray area there where we could swap ideas and just kind of laugh about the absurdity of it all. Yeah, uh, I think we also come from a, um, a more similar philosophical background um, uh -huh. as, as, as neither of us identifies as conservatives or Christian you know, conservatives it's like um, so we both come from a slightly more 
classical liberal anarchist, whatever <laughs> point of view. Um, and therefore, we have, we have a sense of understanding, even if we come to different conclusions about the world. Right. So to, to that end, so let's, so the last time we talked, um, can't remember the date, but I do know that it was uh, in the buildup to the 2016 election. Yep. And it came after, you know, about three years of you and others in the QAnon movement uh, predicting the imminent collapse of the deep state, uh, indictments and perp walks for Obama, Clinton, Biden, mm -hmm. Pelosi, Schiff, uh, and imminent declass of all of the data and files that would implicate and indict and bring down the deep state. Yep. Um, so not only did none of that happen, but then Donald Trump, who was considered, you know, kind of the spearhead of this plan to take back the world, the battering ram, uh, and patriots were in control. That was said many, many, many times. Patriots are in total control. And yet uh, Donald Trump lost the election. Whether you think it was rigged or not, the fact of the matter is patriots certainly were not in control of that aspect of it. So now in the aftermath of that, that the first thing I wanna ask you is what happened? Was, was the plan wrong? Did something go horribly wrong? Or where are you at with this right now? Do you, what, do you think that the plan failed? Or do you think, ha, has your faith been shaking that maybe there was never a plan to begin with? Mm, um, uh, so it's a good question. And this is a learning journey for all of us. Um, so some things have changed for me since the last time we spoke. And I've started to understand the the true scale and scope of the nature of this second American revolution and what's really going on. And the, maybe the crux move, which is getting rid of the, um, the rigged elections, which aren't just this most recent one, but go back decades and decades and arguably even more than a century. Um, so the, uh, in order to understand, we've answered the question, you need to kind of go way, way, way back and understand where the problem came from and therefore why the, the MAGA movement was necessary and why there was, why there had to be a solution and a military solution to this problem. Um, so the origins of the problem go all the way back to the founding of America and the Revolutionary War. Um, and uh, and the, you know, the, it's a fight against the European banking aristocracy and the, the uh, monarchies who have their monopolies on, uh, on opium and slaves and God knows what else. It's like, um, uh, and that war started off as a war of invasion. You know, the, the Brits were kicked out, um, but they just switched tactics to a war of infiltration. You know, the war didn't end. It just became a, from an overt war to a covert war. And the history of America has involved this covert war that's been running continuously from its inception. So basically the war of independence never really ended, as far as I can tell. And it intensified with the Civil War, which put America back into debt, um, resulted in the 18, 1871 corporatization of America and the Federal Reserve, and then the whole the whole story of the twentieth century, and all the wars and everything else that went with it. It's like um, uh, so. The uh, in order to, under, to sort of understand um, why we haven't seen the visible perp walks and that justice process yet, 
is to understand how the power of the shadow government or the deep state was perpetuated and kept in the dark. Um, and central to that is, well, one, one plank is the, the corrupt media, another, another plank is corrupt elections. Um, and this is not a new thing. So if you look back at the, the uh, you know, in the year 2000, we had the, the Bush versus Gore thing and the hanging chads, and that surfaced a lot of the, the, the mechanistic problems with how elections are run in America. Um, and it's not, it's not got any better since then. So, so the problem isn't so much just doing a perp walk for Hillary or Obama or anyone else. Um, it's about removing the power of the shadow government and keeping it removed. Right? So in some ways, the, removing it's the easy bit, keeping it removed is the hard bit. Yeah, does that make sense? Makes sense. But I, I mean, I want to steer back to the, to the question and, and yep. the fact that, that the exposure or the, the illumination of the media as being part of this insidious age-old problem. That was part of the prediction. That was part of, that was supposed to be part of the D-class, was supposed to be part of the perp walk, frankly, was the exposure of the media. And then came this narrative that, oh, well, the stealing of the election now shows how corrupt it was, but that wasn't part of the original plan. So I guess I'm still asking you what, what went wrong because this, what you're saying now is not supposed to be part of what happened. This was supposed to be a quick project and it was Patriots were supposed to be in control. So do you think something went wrong? What, what changed? No, I don't. I think, I think it's, it's our, our hopes for it being a quick project were, were, um, were based on a, it was a false hope. It was a, um, the scale and the nature of what has to be done is much bigger and much worse than we ever imagined. And, uh, and therefore the time it takes um, is much, much longer. And the, the hard bit is persuading even those who are very, who have been very skeptical about the, um, uh, the, the reality and the risk of having the country hijacked um, by, by largely foreign agents, whether they're Chinese or Italian or British or Swiss or anyone else. It's like um, uh, via corrupt elections is a very, very real thing. Uh, so you can, you can you can steal a country without having to send a single soldier or uh, fire a single shot, and um, uh, and what we hadn't really appreciated was how you you can't tell people you have to show them. So what we seem to be having at the moment is an interregnum period, where the um, the election fraud has been allowed to happen. So it's a bit like when you have a, a shoplifter who goes in the shop. You have to let the shoplifter walk out of the store with the goods. Yeah. Um, I get that. That's that's yeah. that's an interesting metaphor. Uh, to touch upon this election fraud thing, I think it's important that the machine voting companies that are involved have filed massive billion-dollar civil lawsuits against Sidney Powell, uh, yeah. uh, Lynn. Uh, uh, even uh, Giuliani, and mm -hmm. and not not to mention the the major media outlets. Uh, what what are they called? What's the what's the one that got a bunch super popular uh, around this time? Uh, remind me, uh, my mind's gone blank. America something. Uh, a A O. Um, yeah. One America News. O A N. O A N. Yeah. Yeah. So One America. They basically had to do, Fox News had to do entire retraction episodes, mm -hmm. uh, literally 
Lou Dobbs, who you couldn't find a more voracious supporter of, of Trump and a more outspoken believer in the fact that the elections were rigged, he opted to, uh, after the lawsuit, uh, he did a basically a 20 minute um, written speech disavowing all of his own conspiracy theories, saying that there was no election fraud that we know of, okay? And yes. then America One Media did the same thing. Mm -hmm. And it, to a certain extent, Powell has uh, gone silent to a certain extent, or at least um, she's not saying the same things as she was before. And Giuliani has stopped as well. So I'm, I'm you know, wondering whether you're disturbed by the changing of the tunes of these people. It, it, it appears that discovery is not going to turn up election fraud. Right. So I think there's a question behind your question here, which is how, how can you know, I, as Jake, um, in the middle of all this, know if this election fraud is real? Well, I've got these two competing sets of diametrically opposed, um, say, call opinions for the time being. Yeah. It's like, um, uh, and one saying there's no election fraud, and this is a legitimate election, here's the result. The other one says, you know, actually, this is a complete mess and, um, uh, and, um, and totally illegitimate. Yeah. And that's a good question. It's, um, it's a very important question because um, uh, if, you've, if you split the country between people who think that the election was fraudulent versus not fraudulent, um, that divide is that then what enables the conquer part yeah is that it sets up either civil war or um uh you know you got actually half the country believe that the um president is illegitimate and we went through this whole thing in 2016 yeah it creates a lot of problems yeah it's like um at the very very best lots of problems at the very worst cataclysmic implosion of the whole nation and civil war so it's a good question um uh I think the answer to it has, and, some, and it's also in the context here, there's clearly there's propaganda happening, yeah, and we and we could have a debate about which side is the propaganda, yeah. It's like so. I think you have to, how do you how do you reground this thing? How do you bolt yourself down into sort of a foundation of truth um, and know that it's actually the the real bedrock and not just a, a little stone that someone supplied to you that's a lie. Um, and I think the answer off the top of my head here would be to look at the process issues. Um, so uh, take the topmost thing here, which would be the failure of the state legislatures to approve the various process changes, which enabled the, um, the ballots to be, for example, opened very early. Yeah, it's like um, postal ballots. Um, so even if we ignore how many people went to, to Trump rallies versus Biden rallies, whatever, wherever else, the certification of elections that had not gone through the appropriate uh, um, due process of law uh, in a way that's, that's very, very, very obviously not due process is what invalidates the election results. Yeah, it's, um, uh, and we could go and think about all the other, the other aspects whether it's Dominion voting machines or um, uh, registration fraud, etc. But if you take that one issue, I think that one issue is, is it should be enough to, if not clinch it for you, it should be enough to give you reasonable cause to um, feel the need to satisfy the concerns of those who voted differently to you or saw the world differently. Yeah, it's it's a reasonable concern that um, a, a Trump you know, a Trump voter 
could raise and say this is not not a uh, the certification of this this election is itself fraudulent. Yeah, and uh, and it's an objective thing that anybody can go and check for themselves. So I think that's a a way of jumping outside this propaganda loop. What? But it, it's, it's, uh, not, it's not an easy thing to do. I think it's a um, uh, because both sides are accusing each other of being caught in a false reality of propaganda. Yeah. So, um, and that's their side, their view is obviously right. And the other side is obviously wrong. And it's, it, and merely appealing to the obviousness is not good enough. Um, and therefore answering a question is, is not, it's not a trivial thing to answer because it's a, um, uh, it's, if you're, you know, how put it, if there's a labyrinth of lies, <laughs> And just merely asserting I'm better at getting out of the labyrinth of lies than the other guy isn't isn't helpful. I'd say, you know, what makes you so confident, like rally size or who believes what means anything? Hillary Clinton in 2016 mm-hmm. did technically win the popular vote, but she was a shithead and didn't campaign in Michigan or Wisconsin. That was her own fault for losing the Electoral College. The same kind of shift, you know, a more major shift in the Electoral College happened with Biden. But the fact of the matter is all these accusations about the voter fraud and the ballot stuffing or the machines and everything like that, they were taken in front of Trump appointed judges, including all the way up to the Supreme Court, which he had given the conservatives a majority of. How do you explain the fact that all of these judges appointed by him throughout these cases, they did not give a shit about any of this? Okay, so it's a... Um, uh... It's a good question, but I think we have to go back to where I was a little bit earlier to understand the bigger context here, what's going on. Um, once you understand the bigger context, it all starts to fit into place. So, um, so this hijacking of America that's happened over a long period of time, in particular, the installation of a fraudulent um, private Federal Reserve Bank, central bank, um, and imposing debt slavery on the, on the population. Uh, uh, it means that the, the whole, in some ways, the whole politics show and the whole Washington DC um, entity is itself a problem. And the, and the issue isn't about per se, whether it was Trump or Biden or whatever, it was actually the whole, the whole distraction of the politics show from the underlying problem, which is the, the sovereign nature of your country and its countrymen has been Here's something. I'd agree with that. My material conditions did not change on January 20th. They will not change. Yeah. Uh, I would say that's more evidence that neither one of these presidents gives a shit about me or the American people or anything like that. I would say it's further evidence Trump just belonged to a ruling class that does not care about these things. I mean, at the end of the day, the guy was friends with everyone who was, whether you think they were eating children or raping them, and you know some of that is true. Trump was friends with these people. He was in these elite circles. I just don't see how there was ever a thought that some plan involved a member of the elite. I don't get it. it. Clearly, none of them give a shit. And yeah, I agree. It's all a show. If you look at Congress right now, that's a show. There's a giant show about whether we deserve money for being laid off for nine months. It's a TV show. It's stupid. It's There's arguments over the minimum wage. I would say it's all a show, but at the same time, none of them care. It doesn't matter the party. It doesn't matter what wing of what party, whether left of the Democrats or right of the Republicans. I don't think it matters. And I think that's more evident than some type of secret civil war. From my perspective, your your skepticism actually sounds rational. 
from from what you've from what you've seen and understood of the world, it's reasonable. However, I think if you the more you understand the historical background, firstly and secondly, um, I just uh, want to go to a doctor. <laughs> the, the nature of wars of infiltration and and the nature of deception and how this actually works in practice. And it's taken me a long time to figure it out. And it's also why I even, yeah, you know, I, I get blindsided as well. I didn't expect the Biden show to, you know, to be the next phase of this bit, bits of this political theater. Um, I'm, I'm not some soothsayer with some magic crystal ball that knows exactly what's going to play out and how, you know, and what day. I don't have it. It's, um, uh, but um, it's a learning process to understand how, um, some ways it's like there's a, there's a in buildings in London often there's a facade that's you know from the, the 19th century or the 18th century but behind it there's a modern office block yeah but they preserve the facade and in the same kind of way is that often institutions get hijacked and taken over or their reputations get used for, for nefarious purposes and the, the facade is still there but what's behind the facade has been completely changed and um uh, and that's kind of that's the, some ways the nature of this deep state entity is that all kinds of trusted institutions, whether it's pharma or even the military, the military has been corrupted. Um, uh, uh, yeah, academia, um, uh, the, the media, is that we, we place our trust in these institutions, but actually it's misplaced. And, uh, and what I've come to learn is um, uh, how, in order to kind of make sense of what, you know, why Trump and what's he really up to? And, why was, he, why was he close to those people? Well, it makes sense if you're trying to map them out and gain their trust and get them to be overconfident and to um, uh, basically run an intelligence, op intelligence operation against them. Um, or if you're just banging kids too. And, and, and I also hear, have people who drop me emails and say, Martin, you know, is that Donald Trump is a, is a Freemason or he's a member of the Chabad cult, whatever it's like. And, and it's, um, uh, I don't believe that. I think it's not, it's not true. Um, but uh, your questions are rationally skeptical. Yeah, it's, um, uh, they're not stupid questions. And, um, uh, Martin. Uh, and well, under, sorry. Oh, sorry. Uh, go ahead. Sorry. I thought yeah, you were it's, And it's, it's, it's not easy. Now I can see from how you're asking the questions, I can see how it's not easy to see how the, um, the how this information war works and where the Q movement or where the Q process fits inside it. Yeah, it's like, um, uh, yeah. I, I, I can see how my traditional audience lack empathy with the path that you've been on um, and haven't been paying attention to it. And therefore when they, when they, they call you either, yeah, it could be stupid or ignorant or whatever. And actually, no, no, it's not stupid or ignorant. It's like, um, they're good questions. Um, <laughs> and, and it's- so, so Martin, like, yeah, no. and. I see what you're saying. And yeah, it, 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 it's to, to actually listen and pay attention to the other person and saying, where are you really coming from? And how did how did Jake get to that position really? And where did our realities diverge? It's like, because um, we, we were both, I would say, we probably were both on the same page four years ago, roughly, yeah? It was like, yeah, I, I thought Hillary was, was a bag, bag of crap. I didn't care about Trump at all. And, um, and military industrial complex was a big horror show causing lots of wars everywhere. and yeah, in the corporate world was for the psychopaths. Yeah, it was like- We, we were on the same page as far as uh, a basic belief in the existence of a deep state. Yeah. I've, I've defined what I believe the deep state is, which is simply yep. a synergistic revolving door complex between 
the surveillance state, national security state, Wall Street, defense contractors, blah, blah, blah. Uh, one of my favorite uh, theorists, one of my favorite thinkers is a man named Marshall McLuhan. Yep. He's the one who wrote the, 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 uh, the medium is the message, right? Um, and of course, he's, he's a prominent um, le left-wing thinker. And he, he, one of his quotes that I always am quoting uh, mm -hmm. is, uh, World War III will be a guerrilla information war yep. with no differentiation between military and civilian population. Yes. Now, to me, that sounds about the closest to core I, I, I will be literally stoned by people yeah. for, for saying that Marshall McLuhan sounded at one point like QAnon. But at a core basic belief, I feel like that quote sums up where we can share ideas and where we can disagree. I, I would say it's, it's, uh, another way that has been phrased is it's unrestricted warfare. Yeah, is it's, it's informational, it's biological, it's um, financial and economic. Um, crosses all domains, space, underground, you know, it's, it's right. everywhere. It's but omnipervasive. I still want to drill into the present because yeah. I know that there is a historical kind of premise and construct behind QAnon thinking, but it's so as it, it, far, and I was interested by something you said recently, which is that you weren't expecting, you know, Biden to be the next part of the show. So uh -huh. to that point, this is kind of a three-part question, but it starts with ask confirming so because some QAnon people think that Biden is basically a puppet president right now and that doesn't mean what I'm saying it means that patriots are still in control and Biden is not really president Trump is really president is that what you believe I think it's a little bit more complex than that it's um uh, what I think we're seeing is the transition back to a um, re-establishment of the original sovereign American Republic of sovereign people and sovereign states. Um, and it goes back to what I said earlier, which is I, I hadn't appreciated the true scale and scope of, an, of this revolution. And I think the, the real revolution that's happening is the de-Washingtonization, you know, in the location, not, not the person, um, uh, of America. So it looks like to me what is happening is the effectively the shutdown of the current, not just the corporate entity that was Washington DC set up in 1871, but the whole federal system around it, including the current money system um, and the returning of the power to the people via the states. Um, you see that happening uh, right now? Uh, yeah, I think that's what's happening. It's like, uh, and what's been, what's, and, and the, the, the trick that's being played is that, um, uh, is that the, the current White House, um, and bearing in mind that Mar-a-Lago was set up as a sec second winter White House, um, uh, that the current Washington White House has been set up as a booby prize. And together with Congress, is it's kind of, there's, there's a prison camp that's been set up. And it's like, come and get it. Yeah? And you have to step inside the prison camp because everyone who takes up office inside that space now on the basis of a fraudulent election is committing treason. And, and they're caught in a um, kind of catch-22 type situation. Yeah, they, they, they're damned if they do and damned if they don't. Yeah, it, either they have to try and take power but from outside of the fence or get inside the fence. Yeah, and either way, they fail. It's, if that's um, true, I will volunteer to guard it. 
but I don't think that's true, Martin. So what? Uh, so the part. That, thank you for uh, giving a clear answer to that. I, yeah. I appreciate that. And so the, the second part of that would be for me. Um, so. Can I, can I finish answering first? Because it, it, uh, it, Donald Trump is currently. My, my sense is that the United States is currently under um, the Insurrection Act, and a. You know, if you come across these PADs, Presidential Emergency uh, Action Documents, um, that Eisenhower set up. So, um, so between that, the Fourteenth Amendment, Stafford Act, Insurrection Act, and uh, also the. Pre Presidential Transition Act of 2019 and the EOs that Trump set up. It looks like um, the United States is currently under military and FEMA control. Um, so my sense is that Trump is not president at the moment, um, okay. not in any formal sense. Okay. Uh, that's, so you, that, that's my, my best sense. And, and you can't tell the public. So the wake up has to come after the cleanup. So the cleanup has to be wrapped up first around the election fraud before the wake up can happen. Okay, so you think Patriots are still in control and they relinquished power back to the deep state to so that more of the public could uh, become aware of what's going on. I mean, has that ever been done before in any war, no matter hot, cold, covert, whatever, has, has a side ever uh, essentially let the enemy win so that they could re-infiltrate it from the inside again that does that make i mean that doesn't make a lot of sense to me so it it's uh this is pushing a little bit on my boundary of my my area of competence understanding but my understanding is that there are there are cer certain military strategies where you um like chess strategies as well where you deliberately look like you're losing until the very end and bang yeah you, know, you find that you've led the other side into a trap it's like um and it all flips over it's uh, it's it's definitely off the map um, in terms of what we've ever experienced before. Uh, and, so, and, okay. you, and, and when you hear the, the QAnon stuff, sorry, is it bizarre do you think, conspiracy theory? It's do you think losing the election was planned though? Like, did, sorry? Did, so, so again, didn't hear it. Did 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 the Patriots want to lose the election? Um, I think we the the election is a giant sting up and. Uh, and what its whole purpose is to draw in every fool who thought that they could hijack America on behalf of the Chinese Communist Party and others. Um, they did. They, they succeeded. Ago. If that's true, they succeeded. They won. But when is... So, so the thing I've learned since our last conversation in December is to separate out Washington, D.C. from America. Uh, is The prize isn't Washington, D.C. The prize is America. And they're not the same thing. And what is being hap what's ha been happened is that the deep state have been lured into a trap where they've won the booby prize of Washington DC, which is a 10 square mile city state that's effectively not part of America. Um, and America has escaped from it. So in the process, one of the things that Trump did, and I've forgotten the paperwork behind this or the act, or whatever it was, the executive order, but it was basically setting up to um, uh, basically fire most of the federal um, workforce. Uh, which looks like it could be coming down the road. It looks like there's going to be the end of the IRS. It looks like there could be a massive slimming down of the um, uh, the, the federal state uh, and a return to more or less how America was in the late 19th century. And it was booming. Yeah, it's like it had a very difficult time in the 1870s, but um, uh, after that, it did very, very well. So, um, and, and I never expected that. No, I didn't anticipate that. I, I saw there was a second American Revolution unfolding years ago, but I didn't quite get, grasp the the profundity of it. 
Um, okay. And, and that's been a, that's been a surprise to me. So, DC and the Capitol are basically, um, I guess they're like Hamsterdam from the wire. They're a place where this fake government uh, is allowed to just carry out day to day business and carry on as if they won an election, as if they're all a legitimate government. It's very, but very at the, at the end of the day, there's going to be Trump, who in this you know analogy, I guess, is the Baltimore Police Department. Uh, Trump jumps out and arrests all of these criminals at some point with, I don't know, what... We'll get to that in a minute too. What you know? What branch of intelligence is he working with, or what military, or whatever? But when is this thing? Because I mean, the inauguration was a month and a half ago, and we're into March now, and it's going into summer. I mean, when is the uh, the raid on the house here? So I think the raids really, really happened. Um, the the the, uh... Yeah, the, the power of the deep state is, is it, it's a global power structure. It's a, net, it's a networked power structure of basically mafias and psychopaths. Um, and so the, the, the takedown isn't just in the United States. Yeah, the takedown is global. Uh, and it has to be synchronized with also, I think there's a financial reset. So the power of the deep state comes from control over various supplies of resources. And um, uh, so yeah, the oil industry, the media industry, uh, the farmer industry and how it funds the uh, the corrupt media. Um, all of this has to be synchronized in some way. It's a huge, huge project. But I think the 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 uh, the nature of um, but if you're having a real communist uprising, you only find out afterwards, like with Castro. Hey, oh, oh. Like, yeah, it's it's it, for the first two years he was there to help the people, but all the while all the the potential dissidents being rounded up and executed quietly. The same thing happens in reverse um, with a, a benevolent sting operation, which is you only find out the nature of the sting operation. It's all over. Yeah. I, actually, I want to say the Castro turning to the Soviet Union is a result of the American deep state going behind Jack Kennedy's back and forcing this embargo and all of these bad operations on Cuba. Uh, what happened is that Castro ended up becoming so isolated that the only other polar power in the world was the Soviet Union, which Cuba had to turn to. I'd yeah, say that's our fault. That's the CIA's fault. It's, we'll, we'll stay out of that rabbit hole. It's mm -hmm. like... Um, uh, the, the, the well, I'm going to defend Cuba. I'm sorry. Yeah, so I, shouldn't, I shouldn't have drawn that one in. It's like it's, uh, <laughs> the nature of sting operations is you only find out at the end of them. You don't announce to the people you're targeting you know, how you're doing it and, and when it will be over. It's, um, so the, the size and scale of this sting operation is utterly unprecedented. And it, it cannot be Trump who's the one who comes along and, um, and announces it. Yeah, if at the moment, if America is a bit like a computer, which is being, being rebooted, and, it, and when a computer reboots, it goes down all these run levels, you know, the application shut down and the highest level operating system functions shut down, you, know, and you get down to the basic peripherals and then the basic functioning of the CPU, and then you come back up again. Yeah? So America is currently rebooting and the, the standard civilian functions are not operating. Um, they may have, there may be a theater of them being out there operating, but they're not. Uh, whether it's the courts or the you know the money system, it's basically under military control at the moment, as best I can understand it. I do agree um, so, that we're rebooting, uh, but yeah. for a different reason. Yeah, uh, it, and, and, and we only find out if it really is benevolent at the end of it. Yeah, so so your concerns that this could be a um, oh, how about it? Yeah, 
even if the uh, if you take it as read for a moment that the Q movement is attached to some kind of military endeavor to um, to reboot America, um, uh, there are many people who write to me and say, Martin, how can you know that this really is taking you to a good place? You know, can I say you... real quick? That's my question is, you've described a lot of people in on this game. Yeah. Um, who the hell is left to be a white hat in your equation? Um, that's a difficult one to answer. Surprisingly hard to answer. Because um, you, yeah, you've intertwined basically all of our shared enemies in this, whether it's the giant corporations, media, the intelligence agencies, uh, so, the high ranks in the military, whatever. So I, I came across a little piece of a little suggestion recently. I go, ah, that's how they've done it. Yeah, how a very small force of white hat kind of people is what they've done is they've divided and conquered the deep state. And they've set them up against each other, um, different factions. And by having control um, over access to the blackmail material, um, they can basically turn it into white mail. They can, they can make the blackmail work in reverse. Is that if you don't do what we say, then we'll reveal who you are and people will turn on you. So um, uh, what they've probably got is the assassins all running around you know, assassinating the other assassins and those who score the highest in that game get, you know, get, get the least prison time or get, get let, off, let off at the end. You know, there are ways in which a relatively small group of military intelligence can leverage their position very cleverly. Um, so it, it's, it's not obvious to me how far the rot is. And um, there's, a, there's a lady who was a... a um, uh, a wife of senior marine um, uh, personnel. Uh, I forgot her name, she's on YouTube. Um, and she gives all these testimonies of, of corruption, even in the Marines. It's, um, uh, it's quite, it's very disturbing. And, uh, and we don't know how much of the US armed forces, for example, have been seduced and, I, oh yeah. Placed, placed under under inappropriate influence from other other powers. Um, I know Jake has a question, and I'll let him get to it. But I agree with that. If you look at like what the Navy SEALs do, or what like the Mayor Pete's of the military do, that's what they are. They they are an extremely corrupt force. They're a black hole for money, and they are extremely corrupt. Look at what they've done in Afghanistan. But I don't think it's this idea that they're. I think they're running a deep state that's just a perpetual extension of American empire. Uh, and one of my friends who's of a, um, who's Jewish and parents are both uh, camps, Nazi camp survivors. He says, you know, Martin, it's, it's, it's the same old stuff. The cycle never ends. Yeah. And your hopes it'll end is, yeah, it's crazy. It's like, it's a, well, it's maybe, maybe not. It's like, um, uh, his view is it only ever installs a, a new, um, a new ruling clique who always have to uh, get hold of the old bureaucracy to keep the, the thing running. Yeah, is that there's always a, a settlement that has to be made where the newcomers can't just put in a whole new ruling class of their own. Yeah, because the, the world falls apart in the process. So they always have to come to some kind of compromise. Um, so it's I think there's a very there's reasons to be very powerfully hopeful that we're about to solve some very basic problems of human society, um, uh, particularly around the monetary system. If we manage to get out of debt slavery, uh, which has been around for a very, very, very long time, that's a huge, huge deal because it's what basically animates the, the profit from the wars. Well, I would agree with that. And uh, 
I'm with you there, and and which is why I I don't understand a little bit of your belief that the corporate corporate state is over. But I I, I don't want to go there quite yet. I I did want to. Uh, I'm you know. Did you even finish your point just now? Um. Because I was going to ask you a question from from Twitter. Someone wanted me to ask you yeah, something. Different. And um, so he, this person took a screen grab of a tweet. Uh, he had asked you, um, hmm, date isn't on there, but this is, uh, this is after the election yep. and before January. And yep. you said, this person asked, hypothetically speaking, what happens if they don't overturn the decision to have Biden as POTUS? Is that still part of the plan? Or do we finally then say enough is enough? And you responded, that would be a red line in how much faith to offer. Yeah. So I still want to try and get a, a mental snapshot of where you are in terms of have you lost faith that that there is a plan here that is coherent and working? No, but it took me a while to figure out the, um, in retrospect, the logic of why it has to be this way. It's um, So my sense is that there is essentially no President Biden in any meaningful sense right now. Uh, and whether the real person is is alive or dead or whatever, it doesn't really matter. Um, is that there is a um, uh, there is a container of power which may be very small, very bit bit bigger, which is Washington D.C., which is being disconnected from um, the rest of America, and it's being uh, powered down uh, so the rest of America can reclaim its its, its original sovereign power back, people and states. Um, Wait, are you implying that Biden may be dead? He may be. It's, uh, what what uh, evidence? What evidence do you have of that? That's a good good question. It's it like might uh, be. It, it, <laughs> this, well, this anything, anything might be, but in order to like entertain something as as a as a premise that is worth putting emotional psychological stock into, you do need to have some yeah. evidence. Right. So. Um, there's a, there's, a, there's a wider context here. Lots of, an awful lot of people seem to have been um, uh, disappearing recently. Half of Hollywood seems to have kind of basically vanished. Um, and, uh, and all those people who got accused of pedophilia, funnily enough. Um, and the... Uh, so, pandemic. People are inside because we're in pandemic. So I don't know if people have necessarily disappeared as though we're just not seeing so much of... Of, of the normal Hollywood apparatus because people are are quarantining. So so with with, with being Biden specifically, specifically is that and what we're seeing is uh, I think surreal is probably the um, is a reasonable word, which is hang on a minute this guy on the screen doesn't look the same as the guy who was around three years ago. Yeah, he doesn't. He suddenly gets a birthmark. He suddenly disappears. He's, he appears to be incoherent. He uh, his eyes get sunken and not sunken. His, his, ears change, his ears change shape, his head changes shape. Hang on a minute, what's going on here? It's like, um, uh, this is just weird. And, um, uh, and it looks like, and it's just like, this is like, it's like the Truman Show coming alive. Um, but it's, um, uh, it looks like we're watching something which is Truman Show-esque. It's like it's, we're watching a piece of political theatre going on and it's literally theatre. Um, and whether it's, CGI, body doubles, clones, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> advanced robots, apparitions from the fourth dimension. I don't know. It's just, it's just bizarre. And um, 
uh, and yeah, the, the the President Biden character hasn't done a in-person um, um, press conference. You know, there's no foreign foreign dignitaries turning up. It's just a very very weird situation. Um, now, given that he was accused of treason in the past, he was accused, remember, of treason by JFK Jr. when he was around. Yeah, so it's um, so the accusation accusation of treason is not a new one. Uh, and he was under charge from Ukraine. He had been caught with his son going out to, you know, to China. You know, if he, if he has been, um, and you go back to Kavanaugh hearings and the um, uh, and the case for military tribunals, if he has been charged as an enemy combatant under military law, um, he could already be gone. Yeah? And what we're seeing is a a carefully constructed process to skirt and evade the civil war that would have happened if we had gone straight into a second Trump presidency, particularly one which had just, just perpetuated the, um, uh, the apparent legitimacy of the Washington DC establishment. So that the whole purpose here is to not just delegitimize, but to, to, um, to remove the, that establishment yeah, and to put a new system of government in place. But I think it's one that's, putting power back to the states and therefore the people. It's, um, uh, so I think that's how America is going to evade the fate of other places that have just taken out one ruling class and put in another one which grow, grows tyrannical over time. Um, that's my sense of it. It's, uh, it's, it's, um, it's utterly surreal, but the, the evidence on the ground is that we don't have a normal presidency there. You know, the White House is literally dark. There's no flag above it. There's no Marines um, guarding it. Uh, you know, the inauguration was really, really weird. The weather kept changing. It's like, whoa, the clouds are gone, the clouds are gone. It's, um, there, was no, there were no insignia on the, on the military there. There was no salute. It was at the wrong time. It's like, hang on, what's going on here? It's wacky, yeah. So I think it's um, uh, we we may all get to laugh afterwards because I think it's what the process of showing wait, us how we're, we're, we're um, easily were duped, and and it won't surprise me. And so for those from you know the more Q side of the audience, um, it won't surprise me if the Q process has also constructed a few things to, to deliver a bit of humility to everybody. Um, so. Um, so I think what we're seeing is a military demonstration of what's been going on for decades, which is we have been stuck in a Truman Show-esque um, fake reality, and all of us have. Yeah? And some of us have been provoked to question that reality, but quicker than others because of our circumstances or whatever. Um, but we're, we're, I... it's, yeah, go, go, go ahead. Okay, I want to pitch a scenario to you. Yeah. Um, a guy who is essentially like ronald reagan he's brain dead yeah won a primary during a pandemic where the other main contender was telling his supporters not to go out and vote as mail-in ballots were being messed with by democratic parties as well as yeah. trump um here's my scenario to you maybe all the media and everything that's consumed by the other half of the country did actually get them to turn out they elected this brain dead guy, not necessarily because anyone likes him, but because all that media that's been screaming about Trump, and I will say a lot of it's unreasonable, but half of the country that consumes like political media on the regular is consuming that stuff. And I think, and consider this, the much more likely scenario is you have a brain dead candidate in there 
he's yeah he very well could be a deep fake and putting all that and jfk jr aside but you have a brain dead president who now represents a democratic party that's essentially been absorbed by neoconservatives so maybe this is just it's not necessarily that he's dead or there's some fraud but there's just this puppet in charge who doesn't know anything and it's not that it's not that people loved him, that they voted for him. It's that they were voting against something because I don't know if you think it's manipulation or what, but millions of people have been consuming like the resistance media and Democrat media or just held their nose and voted for Biden. I know a lot of them. So I think the moment we're all going at the same point, what the hell's going on here? We're on the same footing, right? Because did, did, did I expect this? Nope. Did you expect this? Nope. <laughs> it's like... Um, uh, we may have not expected it in different ways. I did expect. I kind of did, yeah. I fully, I fully predicted Biden would win, and he did. Uh, yes and no. In a sense, we, we appear to have a um, we a don't have winning winner. It's no, like there's, there's no appearance there. It's it's over, dude. Democrats had the total majority. They won the election. Yeah, I even thought they'd cheat in the primary. Right, but but if 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 if, if they have quotes won in if they have won in quotes by cheating, they haven't won. Right, is and that the the military have an oath to defend the constitution. Yeah, but the so military in full force. The military, the top brass of the generals, were saying very clearly after the election, we will not step in, and we will not overturn a a democratically a democ a fair democratic election. There was no messaging there that there, that, that, that this was some kind of. So at this point, the military, which is traditionally. Uh, part, one of the heroes, the military and the NSA are the big heroes, establishment heroes of QAnon. But at this point, the NSA was supposed to be collecting evidence of this uh, deep state conspiracy. And the military was supposed to be enforcing the Patriots. So both of those have failed at this point. So like, what, what, what should we expect to see in this period of time? If it hasn't already happened, what do you think, why are, I guess my question is, why do you now question the military? Why do you now think the military has been infiltrated and is not, you know, in control of, controlled by patriots and, and working against this, this coup? No, that's not, that's not what I said. So I, I think the, the, the um, so the military has had a problem of corruption like everything else. It's like, uh, but not all of it. And there was a core that has remained in um, uh, loyal to their oath and the constitution. Um, so uh, it you know, cleaning up a um, uh, a fraudulent presidential election and a and a, um, a corrupt supreme court and uh, and the whole thing that goes with this because the size of this is enormous. So the cleanup operation, you can't do the wake up operation. You can't tell the public um, that you're doing this until you've done the cleanup. Yeah, it's, uh, uh, and you have to buy enough time for, the, um, for that to happen. And you can't have, this is why Trump has to be off the stage, is you can't have Trump on the stage and all his, his staff, you know, having to do press conferences. It's, it's a way of managing the optics. So the, the real question here is how long do we tolerate a um, you know, it's like a, um, you know, without the wake up, you can't know the cleanup for certain is happening. I mean, you can only see it by the, the things dancing in the shadows and through secondary effects. It's um, you know, all of the National Guard being called up and all the other, you know, all the EOs and everything else preparing for it. 
But until the actual wake up call happens, and it could be a bunch of texts turn up from the emergency you know, alert system at four in the morning on you know, in the middle of the week, who knows? I don't know, whatever it'll be, you can't know. So, um, so at the moment we're, we're, we're caught in a, um, an irreconcilability, which is we have to let the time pass. And it comes a point we go, this is bullshit and, and we all give up, yeah? It's like, it's, um, uh, but my sense is that's not gonna happen. It's, um, when, uh, when would that be like? That's if, a really good question. For example, uh, yeah, uh, like if, if these next four years play out and Democrats, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a harder leftist than, uh, than, than most, uh, you know, what Biden and the Democrats are doing right now to me is not even in the same ballpark as, as doing what's right, but yeah. they are in control and assuming they stay in control, let's say they win, let's say they keep the house and the Senate in 2022, let's say that they, win again in 2024 like is there a point at which you you will lose hope can you can you imagine that point i i i can't see america going down that route and not falling into civil war before then so it's my sense is the patience of those who feel robbed so whether, whether you agree with whether they are legitimately robbed or not um there's clearly a very very large number of very aggrieved people um who feel that they've not had a proper proper go at justice uh, so there has to be some kind of movement pretty damn soon. Um, now putting dates on these things is always a folly because you never know how much more drama and winding and twisting of this, this crazy narrative there needs to be in order to create the, the safe conditions from, from wake up of the masses, um, to some really nasty truths, but it's, um, uh, but my sense is that you know it, it's it's in the 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 weeks and maybe maybe months, but no more. Yeah, it's like uh, we're running out of time. Like people write to me and they're, they're either in despair or they um, uh, yeah that, that there's a like they want to see action. Yeah, and yeah. if it doesn't come soon, I think America's going to fall to bits. So it's yeah we're we're, 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 at, we're at the cusp rather than the precipice. That's interesting, and I and I want to get more into the kind of messages you're receiving from, from your supporters and uh, other QAnon people. I, I do want to get get your take on uh, since you know right now the, the January sixth so-called insurrection um, has you know probably been one of the biggest uh, historical events, well in modern history, but it's also uh, an event that. Uh, from your point of view, probably put QAnon on the map in a way that was uh, not to be desired, which is that QAnon got, you know, uh, hooked up with this. Uh, ideologically, people are thinking QAnon was part of the insurrection. So let, let's let's talk a little bit about the insurrection. Do you believe uh, some QAnon people think that that was like uh, a false flag being run by Antifa elements. Do you, do you believe that? Or do you think this was a natural organic insurrection by Trump supporters? Um, uh, so firstly, there's no such thing really as QAnon. So that, 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 that positions this thing as like a hive mind where there's a bunch of people who all think the same way. And it's not, it's a bunch of people who have independent critical thinking. Um, there's Q, there's nons, yeah, but QAnon is just a label. So um, uh, my sense is there were two or three things going on that day. One was a show of um, uh, a show of strength of patriots feeling um, about the election. Um, second thing was a sting operation against Congress, um, uh, and the third thing was an attempted false flag. 
Um, so when Trump held back the Patriots at the National Monument level for half an hour, he managed to upset their timing and really screw them up. It's like, um, uh, so it's a standard color revolution kind of thing where you try to pin some kind of atrocity, whatever it is on the other side in order to generate you know, inflamed feelings and, um, uh, and justify the next step. Um, so, uh, so yes, it was a false flag, um, but the, the full story, and it's, and it's fairly obvious that it was a setup. You, know, you look for, where's all the media follow up on the victims? It doesn't exist. Okay, so the victims, do they really exist? Maybe they don't. It's like, um, uh, it's, um, it's, it's a skill in, in seeing these false flags, what they are relatively quickly, which you, it's taken you a while to develop. The cop that died, you don't think he really died? Uh, in the individual case, I can't tell you. Yeah, it's like um, I, I haven't been looking at this, this story at that level of detail. So, um, but but o overall, how these these false flags are set up and being able to tell the difference between a real event. Uh, I remember in real in false flags, you still have real blood and real you know real victims. It's um, uh, but the the attribution of the the why and the causality and the blame and the who is all wrong. Um, uh, so yeah, the what and the how may, may be true. Um, so it's, uh, I think the, the, the story of what happened that day will take a while to emerge and it's, it's multi-layered. Um, it, it looks like a lot of the laptops in Congress were seized and, um, and the 14th Amendment uh, says that once you've been proven to be part of an insurrection and if you've got instructions coming in from the Chinese Communist Party on your laptop, um, you're part of an insurrection. That means you're no longer eligible to be part of, um, of Congress. So it's, um, uh, it looks like we're in for some very interesting times ahead, um, but I think they're good ones. Yeah, I think we're, we're gonna see some, some resolution to this fairly soon. And, um, uh, and to, to those of, yeah, we're coming up to the hour. For those who are more of the traditional conservative part of the audience, I would urge them to um, pay more attention to our, our leftist friends, because I think a lot of the, think of it, the people who were complaining about the military industrial complex and the illegal wars were from that side. Yeah? And the people who've got a lot of the answers to how do we build a better society rather than just all retreating into a, you know, the cabin in the woods with our, with our gun um, are from that side. So we have to have a synthesis of this. We have to have a, a reconciliation and a get back on the same page. Well, that, that's an interesting thought, and it's actually something I've thought about before. And to that point, I, I think there probably, in the near future, will be splinter groups that are kind of um, uh, conglomerations of hard leftists with uh, elements of, I mean, most hard leftists uh, agree with the idea of a deep state. What we don't think is that Trump are this kind of hard right authoritarian ethno status white nationalist Trump supporting groups is that's not the vanguard of the revolution in our minds because the the palpable conditions haven't changed much and I don't see a game plan on the books um, for for I mean you, you talked about the end of a, a certain kind of corporate state earlier yep. it, it, the, the corporatocracy is stronger than ever right now so um, I, and I think you've got, you've got some legitimate concerns about how much how much does this perpetuate a corporatocracy um, and the question you asked me in the first interview about the ties between 
the Q stuff and the Christian conservatism and how does this create unity when that doesn't necessarily appeal to everyone? That question remains. I think I've got some answers to it, but maybe not this time. It's like, um, uh, so I think it's up to you to advocate for a vision of what it means to be American. Um, and, you know, that appeals to people who are strict constitutionalists. You know, and how does that, how does that, because I think these things are reconcilable to some degree, you know, is that many people on the left who are voluntary collectivists and see how pro human progress comes through finding new structures, institutions to cooperate, um, rather than just retreating into pure individualism, have got lots, a lot to contribute. You know, it's um, a lot of the things that we value in the world come from that, that mindset and that place. And I think there's a very dangerous and possibly naive um, triumphalism in the right, um, uh, which throws away a lot of um, oh, value in the thinking of others. So even people like, people like Chomsky, who I may completely disagree with, I think his heroes are terrible, may have perfectly valid critiques of the world. Yeah. So it's, um, uh, we, we have to find ways of keeping these conversations up. And I think that's, that's why I turn up for this conversation. I think these conversations are important. I appreciate it, man. You're going to go out uh, you're going to go out talking shit about Chomsky. That's bold, man. I'll do that. I'll talk shit about Chomsky, though. No, no, no. He, we're at the top of the hour. He's been right. generous with his time. And uh, Martin, we'll have another episode. I, 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 I always enjoy talking to you, and I, I appreciate you taking some, some hardball questions. And, uh, you know, I, I, I have respect for you, and I consider you a friend, and that uh, we fervently disagree on some things i'm happy that we're able to have this relationship and uh i guess to that point i'll say, you know if there's i know you're not on twitter anymore and uh, there's yeah. some fuckery going on there but if, if you want to give our our listeners a way that they can read more of your writing and thoughts you're yeah, welcome it, to do that right it, now. It, easiest ways to connect with me at the moment are on telegram if you go to t.me slash geddes or you can go to sign up for my mailing list at signup.martingeddes.com but put http in front if it doesn't work all right well you 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 said you would come back on yes. i had i had some people predicting that you would flake but i said no 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 nope. he will not flake i know he will <laughs> no, I, I think actually you'll, you'll, be, you'll be seen as a hero in the future for having this conversation I said the only journalist in america Hero Anderson. Well, uh, Martin, uh, always talking to talking me. To oh, yeah, he's talking to Jim. Yeah, <laughs> he's talking to Jim. Uh, so, yeah, well, be well, my friend. And let's let's try and do this again at some point in, in the future. We'll do. All the best. All right. Take care, Martin. Thanks. Yeah, that was something. Yeah, well, you know, uh, I was about what I expected. Martin's well spoken, and he's very he's very good at um, he's very good at talking about the things he hopes for and is idealistic about. He's less clear at identifying where he's been wrong, where others have been wrong. But he was pretty. I mean, I think I think he was pretty honest. I mean. I view yeah. for the people listening to this that are hardcore Q critics who will probably criticize this interview. I do think Martin is a good faith operator in that. I do think he actually believes and wants this. And I don't think this is a grift necessarily on, on his part. I think maybe I was trying to get him to talk a little bit more about whether he's disillusioned by this 
Um, but he's he's all on board with a new narrative. I knew he would be. I never had any doubt. Um, I don't know. What do you think, man? I just I, I it's so frustrating because coming from where I'm at, you know, or like coming from the left in general, it's like, man, you're so close, right? It's like, and that's you, what he thinks about us. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's wild because it's like, dude, you almost have it, like. Speaking on like, oh, the military industrial complex, the oil companies, big ag, like, and then like the intelligence agencies intertwined with the military and like, yeah, man, like, uh, as I guess you're right. Yeah, he sees it the same way. But being on the left, it's like, dude, you, you have the right targets, but like, what you're hitting them with is so backwards to me, you know? Right. And, you know, I think, you know, I didn't want to go too far into, okay, I didn't want to try and make him look bad necessarily. I mean, he said things in the past on Twitter that are, you know, he's, he's said like one question I was going to read to him that I didn't get around to, but um, someone, you know, cause I was on the poker and politics Twitter page and poker and politics has been covering and criticizing QAnon for a while. Um, and so I said, you know, we're going to be interviewing Martin. And if you have any questions and some of his followers, uh, you know, said a couple things. And one of them was, does he still think obelisks are literally monuments to the devil's penis? And I didn't, wasn't familiar with that quote. And, but they did a screen grab of it. And sure enough, February 8th, 2019, Martin did a post uh, saying, walking around Mes Westminster Cathedral the other night, I noticed how the fence was made up of obelisks. These are literally monuments to the devil's penis. And then he has a, a, a spelling of obelisk. As they say, once you start to see the occult symbology spread everywhere, there's no way of ever unseeing it. And, you know, that's a part of his ideology that's something I can't get behind because I'm not religious at all. I mean, I'm spiritual, but I, I, I don't believe any of the religions have a whole lot of intellectual value, to be honest. I'm going to say... Me and you could agree with that, but uh, disagree on that actually. But yeah. my point was this: this satanic, uh, this this Luciferian plot to me is dumb. I'm not I'm not going to mince words. It's dumb to me. It, it's a sign of of childlike uh, sensibilities when it comes to ideological thinking. Never been a fan of it. And so this this running narrative of occult symbology, this idea that the deep state is a Luciferian cabal. To me, that's the weakest part uh, of QAnon and, and, and you know, second only to elements of white nationalism that go, which, which for me is a deal breaker. And as much as Martin wants um, different movements to merge and as, as much as I once thought that would be possible, there's just no way I'm ever going to walk in unison with people that carry around uh, Confederate flags and 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 spout neo-Nazi sayings. That's that's a for me that's a, a total red line. And uh, it's unfortunate that uh, white nationalism usually does tend to believe in occult uh, Luciferian conspiracies. Well, say one. It's funny because this means the Washington Monument is the devil's penis. Yep. And two. I don't know that 
it's funny that Martin said in the interview that he's not Christian, you know, and he's still on this, like the satanic cabal and satan Satanists and satanic like child rings or whatever, you know, I don't know exactly his Q beliefs. Cause like he said, it's a spectrum, but um, I don't know because at the same time, like I'm a Catholic who believes in the Pope. So I'm a Satanist to them. You know, so it's it's hard to determine. It's strange that he says he's. It's just strange that he says like, "Oh, I'm not Christian," but then talks about like say, like you, satanic cults and stuff. You literally believe I'm going to hell, Jane. Do you realize that? That's fine. <laughs> I think uh, this pope would tell you you're probably cool, man. See, I just think that when you die, you're either gonna not exist anymore, or you're gonna be reabsorbed back into the fabric of the cosmos. On the other hand, you believe that I'm going to burn forever because I didn't believe the same thing you believe. I believe you don't know better and you'll be put into purgatory where you'll be cleansed and then you'll get into heaven. Cleanse, like a warm bath? Like a cleansing fire instead of a punishing fire. There's a difference. Oh, that's relieving. Um, can't wait for that. I can't wait for... Either that. way. Yeah. Either way, um, Martin, it doesn't matter because we're both Satanists. Yeah. So, so jokes you, on us. You asked a couple of good, I mean, and quite frankly, I wish we had three hours to, to just let Martin finish everything he wanted to say and still ask him the questions we wanted to ask. It's kind of a balancing act because Martin, you know, he, he can be long-winded at times and it's, we don't want to interrupt him. But at the same time, it's like, we have all these questions I want to ask. Like, I wanted to drill into some more specifics. But, you know, as, as, as it went on, I realized that he, he was sticking pretty closely to the new narrative, which is that, hey, guys, we got overexcited. Uh, the show's still going to happen. Patriots are still in control. But we have some more covert, you know, chess game, game theory components that still have to happen. But we're still here the narrative goes on. And that's totally what I expected. And none of that was in any way, uh, what was any way surprising for that, for me, at least. I think the most like audacious part of the story to me is the last part that we discussed where we talked about January 6th. Yeah. And the idea that this one was a false flag because our guest who came on after Martin is being indicted in federal courts over his involvement in January 6th, you know, and two, and that's, the, and that's, it will say who it is. It's, it's, oh, it's Nick. Nick. Yeah. It's Nick, the proud boy yeah. house candidate from Hawaii. Um, you know, he's uh, currently being charged with things that carry up to 20 years for his involvement on the sixth, just from being in the Capitol and taking photos of himself. So the fact that it was a, the idea that it was a false flag is ridiculous to me. Um, right. And, and it's, it's a huge problem. And it's ideologically, they want to they have it both ways. On, on well, every the second part of it is that his idea was like, it's blurry. Who is even doing the false flag? Because in his talking about the false flag, like, yeah, we know the Proud Boys were involved from like who we've spoken to, but like, and he's talking about the false flag. He's like, well, the laptops were taken with 
you know, information connecting like Nancy Pelosi to China or whoever he thinks was connected to China. And he, I loved how he went out saying, uh, well, he believes the big stuff is coming and soon. And it's like they've been saying that literally every week for four years now. Yeah, that's it, the thing. He, you know, I, I just don't, I don't get the faith at this point. And like, he was, again, like it's as a leftist, like he was so close when I was like, maybe, you know, the idea is like, oh, Trump belongs to the ruling class and does not give a shit. You know, right. and he like entertains that thought. And it's like, dude, just carry it out to its logical conclusion. Like, yeah, that would, to me, that would, that would be the biggest, the, the biggest, uh, if I were in that ideology, I would throw Trump under the bus at this point and say, he was right but Trump was a flawed messenger and he failed. Right. And, you know, but instead there's this kind of religious devotion to Trump and they cannot let him go. Uh, and to me, it's just so obvious that he, he, he's, he was an outsider in a way in terms of he, he, he was a Washington outsider, but he was not an American corporatist outsider. He's just a slight flip on the equation on, in terms of the revolving door that we talk about. He was he was just in one of the other little cauldrons going around the revolving door, but he's he was, still very part of the machinery of the corporatocracy. He was nouveau riche, and like his whole desire was to integrate into like the ruling class, right? And when they wouldn't let him in, like this is what he did, you yeah. know? Yeah, I get that sense from Trump a lot. That a lot of he he's, he seems so angry here. He seemed so angry and apoplectic that the establishment would not let him in yeah because look at his I, I look at his time in new york where it's like oh he would show up to every broadway premiere even though like this man does not care about like musicals you know like he would show up to every broadway premiere just so like yeah, he wants to be seen as like one of the Manhattan socialites, you until know, like it's, until it's McDonald's, the musical, I don't think he's going to be taking in any theater anytime soon. To be fair, he would play like songs from Cats at his rallies. Yeah, that's true, because a guy like passed out at one where he came out to a song from Cats. So before we uh, go too much more, I probably close things up here soon. Yeah, I tell our listeners that. This is uh, on, tu on, tu on Tuesday, we will be uh, doing another show and interviewing the opposite of Martin, which is one of the most prominent QAnon critics, Mike Rothschild, no connection. Uh, and he's, it, this is going to be interesting because he's, uh, he's just literally the opposite of Martin. And uh, a conversation, you know, as Martin would say, a conversation between Mike Rothschild and him would be impossible because, uh, you know, Mike's a no bullshitter and he's pretty, pretty harsh. He does, you know, he does not, he does not entertain, he's a conspiracy debunker. And yeah. so I disagree with him on some things too, because I think there are many, many conspiracies that are real. Uh, I don't think that they are Luciferian or baby eating in nature, but uh, so that's gonna, we're gonna interview him on Tuesday so that'll be coming up. Well, let's say that this, it'll be like a week and a half out from this. Sure, yeah. We have other stuff coming up too. We also have an interview with a member of the Korean Friendship Association in the UK to talk about North Korea coming up. Boring. 
Shut up. Now, North Korea is not boring. North Korea is interesting. And that's an issue that we, we uh, actually disagree on uh, pretty much. Yeah, we're going to be talking about why I think their culture is necessary to avoiding imperialism, basically. You want to sit on Jim Un's uh, lap and uh, coddle. James Pan Un. Yep. You want to? Yeah. Sorry, dude. Uh, Jim Pan Un. I'm sorry. I got your 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 soul brother's name wrong. Shut up. The fact is, you want to sit on the lap of North Korea, and I just I don't know why you feel the need to defend every non-capitalist regime. That doesn't make sense to me. Well. But, this is a different this maybe is, the interview will put it in more perspective but either way this will be for a different show but uh, i don't know do you, do you have any other thoughts on uh on the interview no my brain is fried it's time to go yeah it's time to go all right well thank you guys for listening and uh good night america you can find us on instagram twitter facebook uh pay, we have a patreon um we have a discord and, you know, I want to say...